chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And these are a series of messages from Jesus to specific churches in the area today we talk called Turkey. Uh, at the time um, when this was written, it was, um, of course, a pagan area but in which various uh, amazing and wonderful revivals happen in, or awakenings happen in, in various areas. And Ephesus, of course, uh, the story of the Ephesian church is found in the Acts of the Apostles, how Paul um, founded it. Um, but this is some years after, after that. And uh, the message to the church in Ephesus goes like this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, the height from where you've fallen, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And that, of course, means that the church will cease to exist. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, that is a, a group um, that basically preached immorality, basically said you could do what you like, uh, in your body, it didn't really matter. You could be saved and carry on being immoral. Um, verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now let's pray before we look into this. Oh, Father in heaven, we know that this uh, message to the church in Ephesus was always intended to be a, uh, a message that would ring down the ages to churches in all over the world and indeed to our church. We pray, Lord, that you will grant that you will open up the application of Jesus' words to our own lives and our own hearts. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you will grant us to be able to take the... the um, the instructions of Jesus, and be able to put them into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of us, well, me and Martin anyway, will remember a song from the 1960s called I Remember You by a man called Frank Ifield. And of course, it's a love song. And in fact, I've actually called the title to this song, I Remember You, Will you remember? Do you remember me? Now, where does this come from? Where does the title come from? Am I taking liberties with the text? Well, let's look at verse 3. 
God says to this Ephesian church, this group of people, I know your works, your toil and patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently. Now, the word, the Greek word that's used there is not uh, a common, the com- more, well, another word that is used in, in the Bible for, uh, for knowing, which is gnosko. But it's rather a word oida, which actually talks about, and I'm quoting here from a, actually a, a scholar that was at, uh, at uh, Cambridge some years ago, but I, I know it knew of. He says this, this word emphasizes much more than gnosko the absolute clearness of the mental vision which photographs all the facts of life as they pass. That is God's knowledge. And in fact, he uses this word, the Lord uses this word right the way through these, these, uh, these letters to the churches of the Revelation. Uh, so you'll see them uh, mentioned throughout chapter 2 and chapter 3. And the point is this. The emphasis of the word is this. is God sees in absolute clarity every event in our life. And particularly, actually, he's here referring to the way in which faithful Christians have, have uh, sought the Lord. Now, tonight my message is primarily for Christians. And indeed, of course, primarily, um, this, uh, this uh, passage is for believers, the church at Ephesus and for Christians down the ages. But uh, I, I don't want to just put in a little, uh, a little word for those who aren't believers, um, perhaps listening online, um, and just note that this point about God having a completely clear view of everything you've ever done is repeated again and again throughout the Bible. God has this clear vision in, we might, I will not even say black and white, in full color, full stereoscopic 3D vision of all of the things we've ever done, thought, and said, which have been evil. Uh, when I was praying, I did mention this fact that people today are, are scared of artificial intelligence and it's the possibility of it scanning our lives and knowing everything about it. God has infinite intelligence. He knows everything about everyone all at one moment. And that is, can be frightening, especially when we hear God say in Hosea chapter 7, verse 2, they do not consider that I remember all their evil. Now their deeds surround me. They are before my face. What a terrifying thing it is uh, for an individual to come before the living God with him telling us that in advance. In Hosea 9, uh, two chapters later, 9 verse 9, God speaks again. They have deeply corrupted themselves, as in the days of Gibeah, uh, a particularly sinful time. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. And um, another prophet from the southern kingdom, Jeremiah, uh, and I could be quoting here dozens of verses, but in Jeremiah 14 verse 10 it says, They've loved to wander. Thus they've not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. 
Now he will remember and punish their sin. Now, what I would like to, to, to say to anybody who isn't yet a believer is that it is a fearsome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what the, the Bible says. And actually, if you just thought about this for a few minutes, about the fact that God knows everything you've done, all the secret things in your life, as well as all of the open things, how terrible, what a terrible burden this would be to bear every day of our life, uh, that God himself will one day call us to account for this. But of course, this is where the wonderful gospel of this is what the gospel is about. That God, who has this incredible intelligence, incredible knowledge of everything about everything we've ever done that is evil and wrong and squalid and sordid and, and breaking his laws, defying him, wandering, rebelling. He knows all about this and yet he sent his only son into this world to die to pay the price for our sins. And as Nathaniel wonderfully uh, put it this morning, uh, that uh, he, uh, he turns up at the, the conference for failures and he actually takes our failures away, our sins away. He bears our sorrows. All we like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to, to our own way. But the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And he, as a human being, bore human pain. But he was also the son of God who was bearing uh, in within his own eternal, infinite spirit the, this pain and suffering of uh, of our sins for us in our place and he did it because he loved us how wonderful that is and I would just like to say if, before I pass on to a few more points I want to make to Christians tonight if you haven't yet received Christ understand that it is very very straightforward it is very straightforward Hosea it gives us guidance and if you aren't a believer never looked at the book of Hosea or maybe you're a Christian, never looked at the book of Hosea. Great book, all about the love of God. And it finishes in Hosea chapter 14, where instructions are given to the person who is burdened by their shame and by their sin and awareness of their failures and awareness also of God's punishment. And um, we're told this in Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Return, return, O Israel, to the Lord. For you stumbled because of your iniquity, your deep evil sin. Take words with you and re return to the Lord. Now, this is very important to put into words, I believe, to put into words to, to, to God our shame and our sin. It's very important to confess individual sins to him. We don't have to confess, it, confess our sins um, necessarily to everybody else. It's a wonderful thing when, like our friend, our brother tonight, who, who graciously testified to the way the Lord has delivered him and blessed him in his life. It's great uh, to testify to that. But we don't, we're not required as, uh, as part, of our, part of our salvation to, uh, to confess all of our sins that we've ever, ever done. We might find, that, might find that a bit depressing. But we do need to confess our sins to the Lord. Take words with you, return to the Lord and say to him, take away all iniquity and accept what is good. We will trust in no other. In you the orphan finds mercy. Now what, if you are not a believer, you need to firstly understand God loves you. You are a spiritual orphan. If you haven't got Christ in your life, you are an orphan because there's no one that is going to claim you on the day of judgment. 
The devil, you know, can't claim anybody because he's going to be destroyed. And if you're, if you're not a, a, a child of God in this life, you won't be a child of God in the next life. But God loves orphans. He loves those who at the moment are not his children. And in his hands you will find mercy. You can come to him no matter how deep you, you've failed, no matter how shamed you feel, no matter how awful you feel in your, your guilt in your life. We may come to him with these words and he will accept us and he will love us. I mean, Jesus put it in another way, didn't he? He said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Jesus is someone that we can come to, ooh, like putting into other words, like, like Nathaniel was talking about uh, this morning. Can, we can come to him, lay our sins upon him, and he is kind and gentle and welcoming to the returning sinner. So um, what I would say to you is this. I don't know if any of you use a mobile, a mobile phone for your banking, but some of us do. Um, and you'll know that actually when you're setting up a transaction, you eventually get to, you, perhaps you, you, want, to pay, uh, you pay, want to pay someone uh, some money into their account or pay a bill or something, or you have to, maybe, maybe um, you want to um, pay something into a, a, another account you've got. And it gets to the point where it says, Press this button, and when you press that button, transfer is made of your money to someone else's account, or perhaps the bank transfers some money in a loan to your account, whatever. Now, how wonderful it is, my friend, whoever you are listening online, that God knows what your debt is. God knows how bad you feel, and all you need to do is press that button before God and say, Lord, I believe, help me, and he will instantly transfer to your account the righteousness and beauty of Christ, which again Nathaniel mentioned this morning in his sermon. How wonderful it is that instead of being covered with the filth of your sins and filthy rags, you are immediately and instantly clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. So trust him tonight and turn to him tonight. Now, I want to um, uh, move on, though, because I've said the main point of this passage is, is um, to talk to Christians. And I, w- I just want to make a few points, because I don't want to um, have a long service tonight. We, we had a, uh, uh, quite a long service this morning. Uh, but let's uh, look at this, firstly, this following point. I've already made the point that when God looks upon his people, he's doing so from a point of infinite intelligence, And he knows everything clearly. But actually, the book of Revelation and also the other New Testament books shows us that God looks upon his people with love. When the Lord speaks to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. This is God with his eye upon his people in love, saying, I know what you've been through. I love you. And I, I love for the way you've responded. Now, it is by grace that, in fact, our hearts are softened and we indeed do good works. It's him that's at work within us to do his good works. So, so we're not taking the credit for those good works ourselves, but God looks upon our response to him with love. 
going back, if you've been a, a Christian only a year, or whether you've been a Christian 50 years, 80 years, however long someone's been a believer, God knows those times in our life when we've been responding to him. Now, I'm sure that the Ephesian church as a whole, because this was spoken to the church as a whole, as well as to individuals, the church as a whole weren't faultless during the time they'd been believers. And indeed, most of us who are honest know that, you know, the, the times when we're responding to God, we're praising God, when we're walking in the Lord, walking with the Lord, um, let, even those times are blemished by sin. And then some of us sometimes have deeply fallen into a real mess, turned away from the Lord and gone through a long time, maybe, before you came back to the Lord. But all of that time in your life, you look back on all of that time, God was looking upon you, not only with his infinite intelligence, seeing the vividness of your life and also your sins, but all of that time, he was looking upon you in pity and in love. His holy nature is repelled and appalled and indeed angered by sin. But he still looks upon that sinner, not only with the anger of his holiness, but with the love of his choosing love from eternity. God foreknows us with that, that foreknowledge of love. Now, this, isn't this encouraging? You, you have been an object of love right the way through your, your Christian life. God has been looking upon you. All of those ups and downs, those family crises, those work crises, the illnesses, the ups, the downs, all of the time. I know you, the Lord says. I know your works. It was true of the church, but it is also true of individuals. And uh, so he remembers our works done with Jesus and for Jesus. That's um, in uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 2. He says, your work, your toil, your patient endurance. God looks upon that and remembers all of that. He remembers the times when we've been intolerant of evil. God remembers the time when the Lord has given us the power to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. I'm not doing it. God remembers the time when we've refused to go down the path of, of false and evil doctrine. It's easy to, in this world to be taken in by the, by the lies of our society. And when we said, no, I'm, no I'm, I'm following Jesus, he knows that time. He knows um, all of the times. He remembers, that we are, he remembers that we are bearing up, verse 3. We are enduring patiently and bearing up for his name's sake. We've been through trials, we've been through problems, but no, I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm going to follow the Lord. Um, like uh, Peter said, when many people gave up following Jesus because of his teaching, they found it too radical, too challenging, too difficult. And Jesus turned to his disciples uh, as these other ones were just turning away and saying, no, I'm, are you too going to go away? And, and Peter said, no, to who shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus knew that Peter had that faith. And Jesus knows and God himself remembers your patient endurance when you were tempted. But you didn't fall away from him and you've carried on. However, having said all of that, I just want to point out that there's a, there's a reverse side to this. I just want to throw this out to you. Um, Although we, many of us uh, who are believers may be able to look on aspects of our life um, and say, yes, well, I, 
the Lord in his grace did help me to grow as a Christian, to, to attend, uh, um, to attend uh, the meeting together with the saints for encouragement and patience. He's helped us to toil for him, but also there's a reverse side. We have to face it, the fact that often our work and toil for the Lord has been in fits and starts. You know, we've, we, we've, uh, yeah, we've sometimes gone really strongly forward. Sometimes we've oh, taken it easy. Looking back over the years, my 50, over 50 years of Christian life, 60 years almost of Christian life, uh, the Lord uh, likewise um, may have commended us at times for our patient endurance. But how many times have I been frustrated and angry over really little things, let alone the big, the big challenges of the Christian life? Uh, you know, I mean, how many times have I lost my temper, angry, frustrated over silly little things? It's a challenge, isn't it? And our, intoler- uh, our, our intolerance of false doctrine and evil in other people, but have we tolerated evil in ourselves? Well, I'm afraid I have over the years. Our bearing up and, uh, and uh, carrying on, yeah, but... We can also remember times where we've lacked faith, got depressed, we've been spiritually paralyzed. So I challenge you as believers, check yourself out in the light of this list of qualities which the the church was given, but I think we can apply it to individuals too. And let's learn and come to the Lord and and seek that indeed at this stage in our life, whatever stage we are, we may be able to, to, to move on with God's help into a higher degree of uh, spirituality. Paul said, you know, that he's not content with what, you know, he's leaving behind the past and he wants to move on from one degree of glory to another to be changed into the likeness of Christ. But now, the final thing I want to do is to get on to the main point of this passage, which is actually verse 6. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the... Uh, sorry, it's not verse 6. Uh, it's verse, uh, verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. I have this against you, you have abandoned the love you have at first. Abandoning their first love. Now, how do you abandon your first love? Well, we can, I guess we can actually take a parallel with human relationships, as indeed the Bible does. Um, in Jeremiah 2, uh, uh, he, Jeremiah talks... Uh, God speaks through Jeremiah to talk about the fact to look back on the time of when you were first engaged to me. Talking to the people of Israel is when they first got into that love relationship, that covenant relationship, the marriage relationship with God. The love of their first espousals, their first engagement. And uh, then it says in Jeremiah 2 verses 2 to 5, then after a certain time you went after worthlessness. And became worthless. You abandoned your first love. Now this is uh, uh, a great challenge. Because actually the implication is clear to this church. That you may be going on as a Christian. And you may indeed be. The Lord is looking on with, with, with love. And sees all of our sacrifices. And our service for him. Everything in our past. And, and that's good. And he, and he, and he still he's merciful and kind to us and recognizes all of that but still there's something really really significant that we have to look 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 into have we lost our first love 
as we've gone on, as, as, as coming to the Lord, have we heard that siren call? Those of you who know the Greek fairy tales will know that uh, uh, there was a uh, the siren call that uh, was a kind of a charm, a charming singing that came from uh, from uh, kind of evil spirits that wanted to leave lead um, people aboard ships into destruction, and it drove them mad. They had to they had to jump overboard, and they were drowned because of this charming, beautiful voice. And of course, that is a picture that we can use for the way the world is. And indeed, even the innocent things in the world can have a charming effect upon us and dull our love. It, you know, other things, our family, our career, our public popularity, influence, money, all kinds of things crowd in and dull our love for the Lord. And um, it crowds in, and after a month it becomes more important and gradually year after year our love for the Lord you know it's still there but it gets less and less we've we've lost you've left this first love of the Lord now um, the actual uh, expression in verse 5 is remember therefore from where you have fallen the implication being remember the heights from where you've fallen Repent and do the works you did at first. Now, for the church of Ephesus, this was clearly a reference to the first, uh, the first journey that Paul made to Ephesus and the great conversions that happened. And we, you know, we have all examples of people showing the amazing transforming power of the love of Christ. People who were involved in the occult, the magicians, took out incredibly expensive magic books and burnt them in public to show that they loved the Lord. Show they had faith in Christ. Show that they, their lives had changed. Uh, the church at Ephesus was full of vitality, full of vigor. But this vigor was not just outward, but it was inward. Because the qualities that, um, that uh, the book of uh, Revelation refers to in chapter 2, um, these outward qualities of um, Enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake, not growing weary. These, these are all important. But they need to be motivated by three things. Love and faith. And a serving heart. Now, interestingly enough, if we look at the church of Thyatira, uh, the message to the church of the Th uh, 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 in Thyatira, which is uh, on page 1219... You'll see that um, the church in Thyatira is given this commendation. I know your works, your love and faith. Now, by the way, that's how I think we can interpret the earlier, uh, the earlier message to the, uh, to the, uh, to, to the uh, church in Ephesus. Their works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. Now, the love and faith of the Lord inspired their works, inspired their service, and inspired their patient endurance. Paul says at the beginning of Thessalonians that the Thessalonians came to Christ from worshipping idols, and, and he saw their work inspired by faith and their labors and energies through the Holy Spirit. Internally, this great love 
inspired outward, their outward life. And uh, he, he goes on to, to say about them that their latter works exceed the first. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Now Thyatira had a problem, had a problem too, which I have time to go into. A major problem that had to be dealt with. But it's interesting that the kind of complementarity between these two congregations. Um, on the one, in the book of Revelation, um, they were able to, uh, and they were commended for the fact they refused to have anything to do with the false, the false teaching of the Nicolaitans, which commended immorality. The people at Thyatira had this internal love, really hot and going, but at the same time they'd been deceived into, or some of them had been deceived, into following the teaching of a false prophet called, uh, who was given, given a name, Jezebel, but obviously she had another name. That was a, uh, a name given to her as a, a symbol of her immorality. Um, so here we have it. We need to have the faith and love that we had at first. The Thyatarans, their service was motivated with a growing love and a growing faith, leading to a growing service that they'd had at first. So for us, okay, let me just finish by saying, what does, what, how, how is the Lord speaking maybe to me, perhaps to you, uh, as well as maybe to our whole church, is that we need to look to our love of the Lord and ask him, Lord, if my love has grown cold since I first became a Christian, Lord, deal with me, forgive my sins, and cause my love to grow. Loving the Lord means loving the Bible, loving it so much we just want to just take it in and eat it and and digest it into our very souls because it's the, the word of Christ. It means loving prayer. It means just finding, spending time with God is... Uh, uh, something that we really desire to do as a heart pants for water as, a, as a, a, an animal of the field is desperate for a drink and you know like a dog and our tongue is hanging out desperate for water so my, my, so my heart pants after the living God when will I enter into his presence Lord wants us to have that kind of love for him exhibited in, in uh, hungry prayer loving praise now if we just think about when you first became a believer, when you first realized that Christ had died for you and you first realized the excitement of the Christian life. I can think back and I know that I was, I was filled with excitement, filled with, I loved going to praise and prayer meetings. I loved going to long prayer meetings and sometimes three hours and longer prayer meetings, whole day meetings. Um, I, I, I loved to witness to people. Um, and uh, not only was there, uh, when you're first a Christian, have that, but also y- your faith is so, um, so exuberant. You want to believe God for anything, and you pray for, for great things. Full of fa- the thing that I mentioned earlier, faithful positivity about the purposes of God in our life. Not looking for the silly things that the prosperity gospel talks on about, but the positivity of saying, God is bringing his purposes about in this world, and I have the privilege of being involved in in those purposes. 
the Lord challenges us to look at ourselves and, and think, about, think on these things. Remember yourself. Remember from where you've fallen. Think about yourself and remember him who loves us. I remember you, but do you remember me? Do we remember Christ dying, died for us, rose from the dead, and is now ascended into heaven, and indeed is praying for all of us, his children? Are we remembering him? Are we remembering him with love? Are we seeking that love through the Holy Spirit in our lives? May the Lord uh, help us this week to think on these things and uh, uh, to get the blessing from this passage.